0: I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game, the feel of the grass, smacking the ball all over the field, making plays, diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men,
1: watching their knees buckle on a called third strike set out bud and then of course the home runs
0: the base hits the big big home runs at the big moments that's a whiff of greatness join us all season long for the joe aguirre story
1: a cmg podcast Now that's going to be fun. A whiff of greatness with yes. Joe Aguirre. That is going to be fun. That's going to be that's going that's going to be must listen to hear about oh, hear yeah. about Joe's wiffle ball career. That's that's going to be must listen. So look, I'll be looking forward to that in the spring. A whiff of greatness with Joe Aguirre. So so that that's going to be a really good CMG podcast. Another great CMG podcast that'll be added to the network. But welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Rister along with Justin DeNofrio and JJ Watt has chosen his team, and this came as a surprise to me. He is going to the Arizona Cardinals, because I, I wrote an article about this a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking he was going to maybe go, go to the Packers, because he's from Wisconsin. The Bills, because they're right on the brink of getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, they were right on the brink of getting to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, the uh, the Titans, because you know they need a pass rusher. But he chose to go to the uh, Cardinals. And I think this move definitely, I mean, uh, yes, J.J. Watt is not the player he once was. But let's not forget, even though he had five sacks last year, he was doubled teamed more than any play, any edge rusher in 2020, so he's still a good player. And I think he's he's a good addition to this Cardinals defense because there is a good chance that the Cardinals could lose to San Redick, who had 12 and a half sacks. As we know, we know the name of San Reddick as Giants fans because he had a huge game against us uh, when they played in Week 14. He had a franchise record five sacks in that game, but they might lose to San Reddick. Uh, they also have to sign, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake. And, uh, and Patrick Peterson. So there's a, and Marcus Golden. So there's a lot of guys the Cardinals have to sign on their defense and on their offense. So this is a good addition to this team and a good addition to this defense. I think he's going to be, a, if Chandler Jones comes back, he'll be a good addition. He'll be good. That'll be a good pairing, the, the two of them. I think, you know, Watt is still able to get to the quarterback. He's gonna play they play a three-four, so we play in that defensive end position in the three-four defense, which is usually a defensive, it's just pretty much a defensive tackle position now in the league. So yeah, so it'll be he'll be playing in this on the same defensive line as Chandler Jones. Uh and I think I think the biggest thing with Watt, you know, I think the biggest thing is gonna be how he's gonna help this defense against the run. Because this defense last year was, you know, average to uh uh, uh, above average. I mean, they, they they were fourth in the NFL in sacks. Uh, they were a really good blitzing defense. The only team that blitzed more than the Cardinals was the Buccaneers. Uh, so I think they were a good blitzing defense. So they were pr- pretty good against the pass. They got some pretty good players in the defense. Buda Baker in the secondary. Uh, Jordan Hicks is pretty good as well. So pretty good defense against the pass. They were 10th against the pass, uh, 13th in points allowed. But where they struggled the most was against the run. They were 22nd against the run. And I think that's a big reason why they went out and got J.J. Watt was to improve against the run. And also a big reason J.J. Watt came here is because he believes in Kyler Murray and I think Kyler Murray is a top 10 franchise quarterback I think he's some issues staying healthy as we saw he was not healthy in that last game against the against the uh against the Rams he wasn't healthy when he played against the Patriots and they lost that game so uh this is an interesting move I mean the Cardinals are definitely I think a playoff contender I mean, I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're definitely a playoff contender. Uh, in my opinion, I think, you know, I think they definitely, because last year, let's be honest, they should have made the playoffs. They lost to the four teams they should have never lost to. They lost to the Lions at home, the Panthers, the Patriots on the road, and they lost to the Niners in week 16 with CJ Beathard. So this should have been a playoff team. This should have been the number seven seed coming out of the NFC instead of, instead of the Bears. But, uh, you know, they, they ended up eight and eight missing the playoffs. But I think this move definitely makes them a, a playoff team. But, I don't know about Super Bowl contender. I think the big reason for that is the head coach. I don't think the I don't think the head coach is good enough to win a Super Bowl with. I think when you lose 4 games you should have won last year against teams that were under 500. I think that's on the head coach. So the head coach is definitely on the hot seat with this move. This is showing that the Cardinals are loading up uh, uh to loading up on Kyler Murray's rookie deal and I think I think this is a playoff team. I don't think this is the best team in the NFC West. I still think even with, with Wilson, even though it's a mess uh, out in Seattle, the, the Seahawks are still better. I think the Rams are still better with Matthew Stafford. And you know you know the, uh, you know know what the 49ers will be better next year if Garoppolo and Boza stay healthy. So I, I don't think they're the best team in the West, but I do think they're a playoff team. But I got these questions. The first question I got for you, Justin, is uh, are, are the Cardinals a, the best team in the NFC West with this move?
0: I'm with you. I still think they're third. You know, uh, mostly one part of it too is because I'm with you with the head coaching. I think McVeigh too and Pete Carroll are are much better coaches than Cliff Kingberry. is Cliff Kingberry should be an offensive coordinator. He cannot manage a game. I think that's a big factor for me um, of why I still put them third. Their defense is going to improve. But again, Seattle, look, I, I you know, I'd be shocked if Russell Wilson gets traded. I would assume they're going to fix their offensive line. So I assume Seattle's going to be right there again. The Rams, you know, adding Matthew Stafford, their their defense is going to be as good as it usually is. So I you know, the Rams I think are behind the Cardinals and then it's like with the Niners, they could still be pretty good too. So I could see this team finishing third or fourth, but you know, in the division being like 8 and 8 or something, which you know, what like they in the toughest division in football,
1: so I have them third right now. Are they a playoff team in your opinion?
0: I think they are. I think they can. I think they can get the nine and seven, eight and eight, and I think that could give them the, the uh, seven seed in the in the NFC playoffs. I I do think they're good enough, in adding a guy like JJ uh, Watt, in the defensive line, and a leader, I think, going to help them. So I, I, yeah, I, I think they get like a seven seed. Are they a Super Bowl contender? I don't think so. I I, I still. I still think the Bucks are better in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, you know, the the um the Seahawks, the Rams, the Saints. I still think all those teams are a bit better than the, than the Cardinals. I see the maybe maybe being able to win a um wild card round, but other than that, I don't I don't see them getting past the divisional.
1: Yeah, I kind of I kind of see it the way you do. I think this is a this is a good football team, but it's not a, a great football team. I think Oh, they i think they'll need i think they i think they still need a corner i think patrick peterson's best days are behind him and i think they need they need i think what else they need is another wide i think they need another uh weapon in the passing game i think they need another either a tight end because i don't think dan arnold's very good or another wide receiver because i'm not a big christian kirk guy and i think larry fitzgerald is done as well so i think they need they need another weapon they either need a lockdown corner because i think peterson's best days are behind them, and I think they need a. Uh, I, or, and I also I think they need a. Uh, they need another receiver for Kyler Murray, and maybe even another tackle as well. I think their offensive line is good enough. I, I think it's not a great offensive line, but their offensive line is good enough. It's in the middle of the pack, which is in, in today's NFL. You could win a Super Bowl being in the middle of the pack with, with with an average offensive line. You could win a Super Bowl with that. But I think what the Cardinals would need to be a, champ, be a championship contender would be. I think they need they need a. Uh, they need a, another corner and another another weapon for Kyler Murray. And we got a comment from Jace. They might be last in the division. Let's not forget all the injuries that. Oh yeah, oh very very easily. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, I I could very see this very easily see this team finishing last. Yeah, the Niners had a bunch of injuries last year with Garoppolo, with Boza, Sherman was out, uh, Raheem Mostert was out. Uh, they they had a they had a ton of injuries last year. and obviously Kittle was out too. So they had a ton of injuries last year. So oh yeah, no. I would not be surprised, even if, even with J.J. Watt in this division, if they finish in last place. I wouldn't be surprised at all.
0: No, I w- I wouldn't either. What, what do you record? What do you think the record would be in the NFC East? Because they the, they be out the winner.
1: Yeah, because they they actually won all four games in the NFC East last year. So yeah, if they, they were know, an NFC East yeah. team, I think they go like ten and six because I yeah. because they won every game in the NFC East. They not only they they won three of those games convincingly too. They crushed the Giants. They embarrassed the Cowboys on Monday night. They beat the Redskins by a couple scores. The only game that was close was the Eagles. So yeah, they if they were in the NFCs. They would be they'd be like a ten and sixteen. But the problem is, is they're not in the NFCs. They're in the NFC West, which is a much tougher division.
0: Yeah, and it, it's definitely excellent. because yeah, I, I think like it's just, this is an eight and eight team, and yeah, I, I could definitely see them finishing fourth, but it wouldn't make you know, and they're still a pretty good football team. It just that's just how good the NFC West is. Because I'd also take Kyle Shannon over, um, you know, Cliff Kingberry, but. So, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, you know, definitely another weapon for Kyle Murray. Definitely be another nice addition. And then another cornerback to really solidify that defense. Um, but it would definitely help out the Cardinals even more to maybe
1: make a push there for second or even first in that division. And you'll see what they do in free agency. Do they bring Hassan Reddick back? Do they even bring Marcus Golden back on a, on a small deal? Or even do they bring Kenyon Drake back? I think Drake now with getting J.J. Watt – Drake might be more of a priority than Hassan Reddick. Because Hassan Reddick, yes, he had 12 and a half sacks last year, but half the, almost half those sacks were in one game, and he really wasn't great the, the previous two years when they had him. So I think Kenyon Drake would be more of a priority to bring back than Hassan Reddick right now.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, now, now that you add why, I think it's, t- it's they go get yeah, K- Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, it's nice to always have pass rushes, but, yeah, you already have why, especially in a year where you're going to have to, you know, the cap's going to be down 30 million that he usually is it's probably smart to go get on drake resign Kenny and drake in that backfield
1: oh absolutely absolutely you got you want to give kyler murray a running game he had a pretty good year last year and you and, and kyler murray he's good but he's not a great quarterback and, and yes he could he could run himself he's one of the best running quarterbacks in the league but you also want to have him ha- you want him to have a running game so which would set up play action so we can get the ball to deandre hopkins a lot so yeah i think drake would be definitely be one of the priorities but the biggest thing is, is if this isn't a playoff team, Cliff Kingsbury has got to be fine. I know you're not a fan of him. I last year I haven't became the, I, I I started to lose some respect for him too. When you lose four games to teams that are under 500, that is inexcusable. There is no way this Cardinals team should have missed the playoffs last year. No, no way at all. And they did. They I mean losing to the Lions at home is inexcusable. Losing to the Patriots when Cam Newton plays the way he did is inexcusable. Getting beat by the Panthers, the way you did is inexcusable, and then that 49ers game with CJ Bethard when that game meant everything to you, and you lost that game. So this this this, this has got to be the year for Cliff Kingsbury. I think Kyler Murray is the Cardinals guy, and Kingsbury was right about that. Kingsbury was right about moving on from Rosen and going to Kyler Murray. But instead of being an offensive coordinator, Kingsbury's got to coach the entire team. And if this isn't a playoff team, he has got to be gone.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. He, he does it. Year three, they're you know. He's got all the pieces around him to be a playoff team. Um, he he's got to learn to manage a game. You know, I remember that Patriot game. Just a dumb, bonehead decision that he made. What, what, was was
1: that the game where he went for it on like fourth down when it was when they could have kicked the field goal and he went for it with no and, and time expired?
0: Yeah, and then yeah, and then the Patriots went down the field. Yeah, and then yeah, no, yeah, because yeah, they went for it first time on fourth down. They got stuffed, and the Patriots went down the field, tied it, and then they did it again. Oh, and they man. went on fourth down again. Or no, then they. Yeah, no, then they kicked it. And then they
1: missed it. They went like overtime. Yeah, but the point the point is is you just can't be losing the teams just, that you should that you should be no, beating. I mean, was, that's just and, and especially early in the season, too. I mean, losing to the Panthers and the Lions, that's terrible. You you just can't do that, especially when you have the more talented team. And that's a, and and that's a sign of coaching. And now Kingsbury's on the hot seat and he better get it done this year.
0: No, he better. He better. You know, I again I think he has a great offensive mind, but the problem is he's not at O C right now. He's the head coach, the head you know, coach, he to the it. team, yeah, yeah. He and he's not great at doing that and doing yeah, and, and just managing games as well. So, yeah, you know, every all the pieces are there for him to be a playoff team, I and mean, he's got to be able to take that next step with this team and get there. Yeah, yeah, he should be fired. Arizona should move on.
1: Close. Oh. oh, absolutely, absolutely. I would absolutely, and that was a kind of a weird hire when it I was. when I saw it because he was fired at Texas Tech when he had Patrick Mahomes. He didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the the the, uh, the last oh. two years, but I mean, he was fired at Texas Tech, and then they hired him as a head coach in the NFL. To me, I felt like that made no sense. You didn't mind the hire the year the year after because he had like the worst team in football, and they were competitive. They won five games, but they were competitive. But last year, it showed why he got fired at Texas Tech. I mean, to have a team that should have been in the playoffs. You watched that Saints Bears game; you knew the Bears didn't belong in the playoffs. The Cardinals definitely were the more talented team and definitely belong there. So. To have that talented, to have a team that had 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 enough talent to get to the playoffs and and not and not get there, that's on him.
0: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and, and when he got fired at Texas Tech, he was going to be the OC at USC, which I was really excited about. But then, yeah, that would like, be great. Like oh, yeah. That been
1: great. Oh yeah, that would have been great for the OC at USC.
0: Oh yeah, you know that that would have been really fun to see. Um, with the would have been um Daniel would have been there. Um, but yeah, you know any um. But yeah, so it, it it was definitely a weird hire. It was something I did not expect to happen. But Arizona thought, you know, with the way football, you know, the you know the NFL is now that you know be a homer hire. Just the offensive minds there. But yeah, he's got to get better as a manager, game just all around with the team.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And for JJ Watt, I think you know he. I think he's really. I going to help this Cardinal team. He's not the player he once was, but. I think his numbers would have been better in Houston if he wasn't pretty much the only player in that defense.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I think he was double teamed pretty much. Like he was double teamed.
1: Yeah, like. more than any edge rusher in football in 2020. He
0: was double. Yeah, and, and then yeah, so yeah, it's tough to do much when that happens. And then him and uh, Chandler Jones are first and second in uh, sacks since 2012 in the NFL. So yeah, you, you can't double team him now. So yeah, you, you know, him and Chandler Jones are definitely going to be scary coming off that that edge so really really helps out that defense it's a really good sign by the cardinals that nobody saw coming
1: absolutely 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 should be interesting to see what watt does in arizona but we're going to move on to another nfc west team that's the seahawks and their issues with russell wilson now russell wilson has not demanded a trade yet but his agent said if there were four teams he would go to these would be the four teams the saints the cowboys the bears and the raiders now if he goes to the Saints because of their cap situation, they're twenty, they're they're sixty nine and a half million over the cap. They're gonna have they're gonna have to cut players on that roster. They're gonna have to cut some players in that roster, and they're gonna have to, and they're gonna have to trade. I think probably at least because they're not gonna be able to. They probably won't put a good like they won't have a good quarterback in the deal. So they're gonna have, they're gonna have to trade. That's the difference between them and the Raiders and the Cowboys is they really won't have a good quarterback to have in that deal. So what they're gonna have to do is is they're gonna have to trade uh, th- three first round picks. Uh, and probably, you know, either a Cam Jordan, uh, or either or either a Cam Jordan or, or a Ryan Ramchak, so either one of those two guys to even consider getting Russell Wilson. So that's a very, very uh, unlike uh, the Saints are a very unlikely destination for Russell Wilson, even though that would be the best fit. Uh, Second would be the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, there's a possibility of this happening. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's a great chance, but I think there's a possibility because they can trade Dak. They, they could, what the Cowboys can do is they could slap the franchise tag on Dak Prescott next week for $37.5 million, and then they could package him in a deal with a couple first-round picks in Seattle, and then, and then the uh, then then the uh, Seahawks would get Russell Wilson. So it is possible for the Cowboys to do that, and the Cowboys would save $5 million in cap space because – uh, Dax cap hit if he gets franchised again would be 37 million, and then uh, and then uh, 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 Wilson's cap it would be 32 million. And we got a comment from Jace, uh, Boza, Jones, Donald, and now Watt with the worst O
0: line.
1: Like Listen, Jace, 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 Seattle doesn't have the worst O line in the league, it's it's below average, but it's not the worst. It's not as bad as the Bengals, it's not as bad as the Chargers. I don't think it's even as bad as the Dolphins, so I don't think they have the worst O line in the league. But their O line is not good, as we know, as we know, as we saw the Giants play them. They were, the, as we saw when the Giants played them, Leonard Williams was living in the backfield. So, uh, I, 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 I'm and not saying division.
0: they're going to need to
1: improve. They're gonna, it. oh yeah, oh absolutely. Oh God, gonna yeah, yeah, they're going to time. improve it because yeah, they're going to be facing pressure, you know, all the time with with the with the current O line they have. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's as as as, as uh, they said, uh, Wilson. They definitely have to improve the offensive line for Wilson to be happy there and let's now look at the other two destinations and and the and one and the third one was the bears and if you look at the bears yeah they could they could go get russell wilson but that means Allen robinson is gone and that means that will russell wilson has nobody to throw the ball to a below average offensive line and a uh and a mediocre running and a running game and it's potential with david montgomery but a running game that has been inconsistent so and i know the defense is good but that but they're probably gonna have to give up uh again uh, three for just and, and they're just like the Saints, they really don't have a quarterback they could package in that deal, so they're gonna have to give up three first round picks and a player off their defense, either a Khalil Mack, either a Roquan Smith, or a Keem Hicks for it to work. So, yeah, Wilson can go to the Bears, but I still don't think even if Wilson goes to the Bears, they're a Super Bowl contender because he does not have the skill guys around him outside of David Montgomery for them to be a Super Bowl contender. And then lastly, the Raiders, and I think you know, if you if, if you add Wilson to this offense. They're going to – obviously, the Raiders have to the trade. A couple first-round picks and Derek Carr. I think the offense would be great with Russell Wilson, I think, you know, with, uh, with Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs. But the issue is the defense. The defense is a bottom-five defense in football, and I still think it's hard to keep up with a Justin Herbert and keep up with a Patrick Mahomes when you're going to have to, when your defense is giving up over 30 points a game, I don't care who the quarterback is. Your defense is giving up that many points against, against those quarterbacks. And and they're both going to have better rosters in the Raiders, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be hard to keep up with those two teams. So I think, you know, I think obviously if I had to rank the trade destinations and I did this in an article, saints, one Cowboys, two uh, bears, three Raiders, four.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. So, yeah, you know, with the Saints, I think adding um, they had him. Now, yeah, obviously, I don't think it'd be able to happen because it's sixty-nine million dollars. You know, it, you are saying it's sixty-nine million dollars above the cap, so I it just don't see that happening. But yeah, you know, again, going to Drew Brees or Russell Wilson would, you know, be phenomenal for Saints fans. Um, you know, his and then the um, with the Bears, uh, I just you know, I don't. I don't get why he wants to go to Chicago. I I, I still haven't figured that one out. I yet.
1: think it's a big city for his wife's going to like Chicago. I think that's why. Oh yeah, yeah, that actually that makes sense.
0: I wasn't thinking of that, but yeah, that makes sense. I was surprised when the Jets or the Giants aren't on that all of a sudden. I think New York, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe not, but maybe. Um, but I just but, I
1: think I think Chicago was a playoff team last year, so that's probably why. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I guess they were. I guess they snuck in with that defense, but. Uh, they're just, you said it, they're not going to have much out there. Besides if they lose Robinson, they don't really have much of a run game. It's inconsistent. The O line it's better than it is in Seattle's, but it's still not great. Um, I, I forgot the Cowboys, you know, Jerry's not getting any younger either. Like he, he, you know, he wants to win, you know, so I couldn't maybe see him pulling off a move like this. Now, again, I don't really think Russell Wilson's getting traded anytime soon. But I, I could see Jerry Jones doing something like this just to try to get another one, but uh, trying to get another ring. It, it'd be interesting. It could work out for both sides, but that'd be a very interesting one. And then with Vegas, I think it would be pretty cool to see him out in, you know, Las Vegas. But they their defense, yeah, it just – wouldn't he kind of just be like – now I, from like a defensive point of perspective, like it's pretty much just Seattle's D. Like it's going to be – like At the first half of the year, he was able to kind of win some games after the defense gave up like 30-35. But the second half of the year, he started to struggle and trying to keep his team into the games. So like, it's probably going to be the same thing like it, it is Seattle. He did get traded to Vegas.
1: Uh, yeah, but I think Seattle's defense was a a little bit better than, than uh, Oakland's, than than the Raiders defense, Vegas' defense, because, you know, I know Adams missed some games, but Jamal Adams is better than anybody the Raiders have on that defense. And Bobby Wagner, even though he's not as good as he used to be, is clearly better than anybody the Raiders have on their, on their defense. So I think that it would be, it wouldn't be, I would say the same. I think they would, the Raiders would be a playoff team with Russell Wilson, but I don't think they'd be a Super Bowl contender because of the defense. Uh, last year, uh, last year, the Seahawks, I still thought were Super Bowl contenders, even with their defense being below average. But they did lose to a, to a pretty good team in the Rams in the playoffs. So I think they would be a, you know, I think it would be a little they'd be wor- they'd be a little bit worse than Seattle was this year if you went to the Raiders. Yeah, so yeah. So then
0: yeah, you know, and to, it, especially for Vegas, D2, especially, you know, and you mentioned it with Mahomes and Herbert in that division too. Like, it, you know, it would probably be worse. Yeah, it definitely would probably be worse with those two quarterbacks. I'm not sure to take any of away from, you know, like a goth or um, or Murray or, uh, or like Garoppolo. But like those, you know, those, those you know, the Chiefs and Chargers are just their offense are just so explosive that, you know, they, yeah they, they, the Raiders, you probably give up more points in Seattle. They definitely could see that. yeah They don't really have that. I thought Jonathan Avery would be that guy, but he's not a guy that can stay on the field very much.
1: No, 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 not not at all. So we'll see what ends up happening with Russell Wilson. Uh, 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 I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think he's staying in Seattle. I'm pretty sure he's staying in Seattle, but he did hint four teams that he wanted to go to, so it's not out of the possibility that'll be traded.
0: Yeah, no, no, it, it's not. But I, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, not. I know. I feel like it's like 99 percent chance that he, you know, he he's going to say he's going to end up staying in Seattle. I, I would say, I, I think Seattle. Would be, it'd be a ter- terrible
1: idea for Seattle to move him. Like, you know, just go get a line. Go, go I, I, I know, I know. I think a little bit less. Than, I think a little bit less now. I'd say probably ninety-five percent he stayed in Seattle.
0: Ninety-five. I just feel like Seattle. I would hope that they go out and draft an O-line or go sign somebody, and then it's just like, okay, problems hopefully solved. You know, but that's I don't. Know, I yeah. That's where I, I kind of feel like there's just no way. I think I think Seattle front office. is gonna, has been yeah you know, it's going to be woken up by this what
1: what he said hopefully they are hopefully they are i mean because they gotta be because they're gonna have trouble in that division next year with as jace mentioned all those pass rushers uh boza jones donald and watt they're gonna have a lot of problems in that division if they don't improve that offensive line but we'll move on to the uh to the washington football team and they plan to release alex smith once free agency begins and uh a great story, unbelievable story with Alex Smith. And I know he was five and one as their starter, but I just don't think he's a starter right now that could, that, that could, I know with that defense, he could win games, but I just don't think right now, Alex Smith is really going to lead you any, really take you anywhere. I have a, a phenomenal story coming back from that leg injury to be even, even the fact he said, I thought after the injury, he was never going to step on the field again. The fact he even stepped on the field again is an accomplished, is an accomplishment in itself. So, but I just don't – I think right now Washington had to move on. And they saved $14 million in cap space for cutting Alex Smith. So, I think it, it gives them more cap room to improve that offense. And, uh, and we'll see what they end up doing – or sign a quarterback. So, we'll see what they end up doing with the quarterback position. They're kind of in no man's land with the 19th pick. But, you know, it's really it's really a couple options they have. They could either stay with uh, – they could, they could uh, stay with Taylor Heineke. They could re-sign uh, Kyle Allen, who's a restricted free agent. Or they could go out and get a Sam Darnold, get, get Sam, and go out and trade for Sam Darnold. So I think there's a couple options here for Washington, and and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But it was time to move on from Alex Smith. It saves cap space, and he's just and just with the injury, he's not the player he once was.
0: Yeah, you know it's you know it, it's a smart move by Washington. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know the be able to come back with he you know from that leg injury was unbelievable, and it started in a playoff game to lead that team to the division was incredible. It, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I never thought he was ever going to take another snap again after the injury. And uh, he proved us all wrong, but it, it's time for Washington to go young, especially in a division where it's pretty winnable right now. So, so you can go out, go get a younger guy or even a Sam Darnold, and it's you're still going to be contenders in this division with, with that defense that you have. So, yeah, it, it, it was a smart move by Washington to Release him. It's unfortunate for Alex Smith, but yeah, he just yeah he's not the he's not the same guy anymore. Just it's time to move
1: on. Absolutely, absolutely, and really for the for Washington, it's where do they move on? Where do they go from here? Taylor Heineke, they signed to a two-year deal. Uh, he played pretty well in that playoff game against Tampa Bay, so that is a little bit of a positive there. But you don't know if you could rely on him to be your full-time starter. And obviously, Kyle Allen, he really I don't think they should resign him. He really didn't prove that much. I think the best move for the for Washington is is to to go out and uh, trade for Sam Darnold, go out and trade, for, uh, go out and trade for him because yes, on the jets, he did make mistakes, but he played on a bad roster. Even though this roster isn't great. It would be a better roster than he's than he's ever had with the jets.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think in just the, the coaching that he would get as well would be much better than what he's gotten in New York. And I, you know, I think a fresh start would be really good for him. And, you know, with that defense as well, you know, he doesn't have to have three or four – throw three or four touchdowns a night to to win games. You know, he just – we just have to, you know, take care of the ball, be a really good game manager, and, you know, Washington has a chance to win that division, you know, if, if he plays. So, yeah, you know, I think Sam Darnold would be a nice fit for him because, again, who knows what the draft, to, who's going to be left there in the first round, you know, with, with quarterbacks. So,
1: I think, you know, Sam
0: Darnold will be a smart move for Washington.
1: And judge, the thing – you know. Yeah, if, if the Jets get rid of him, and the thing is, is you, there's so many teams that are going to be quarterback hungry in the draft. I mean, you got you got the Jets at number two, you got the Falcons at number four, you got the uh, Panthers at number at, no, at number eight. You don't know what the. Uh, you, I mean, you, if, if if somehow Deshaun Watson gets traded to one of those two teams, the Texans will have a top ten pick. So you don't know the Texans will be the Texans will be looking for a quarterback. Then you got teams like the you got teams like the Patriots at fifteen. Even the 49ers if they decide Jimmy G's not their guy so you have about five or six teams that are hung, that really want really need a quarterback and Washington's all the way back there at 19 so they're kind of in no man's land so it's it's going to be really hard to it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with quarterback and we had this debate you know dur- uh, d- during the season about the NFC East would the that and with the NFC East team you know if, if would they draft by what their record was or if they made the playoffs uh, as, as it goes it's how it's if you make the playoffs if you make the playoffs you're going to be you're you're going to be picking uh at, at the end of the draft regardless of what your record is so that was the big debate we had so washington pretty much in no man's land not no uh, pretty much in no man's land if they want to get a quarterback they're really gonna have to trade up for one so it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do i'm starting to think they might see what they have in taylor heineke this year because of what he did against the bucks in that playoff game
0: yeah you know, um I think he really put well uh, that playoff game. I think he threw for like the. I think he was the only quarterback to, in the four Bucks game, uh, playoff games. He threw for, for 350 yards. They shut the rest of them down, kinda. Of. So, um, you know, it it would be a good idea to see what you got next year. You know, I've mentioned, especially in a division, you don't really know what's gonna happen. It's you know, in this division, you know, it's it, with the rest of the team. So I could definitely see that happen. You know, they go with him. Donald, you know, uh talked about Darnold. I think that would be a good move for him, but yeah, the draft, because it's like the five quarterbacks, and then it's kind of like there's not much after that, you know, that I could think of off the top of my head right now. Um so it would be interesting to see what they do. But um I you know, I like Taylor Hanky. I remember playing at Old Dominion. He had he had an arm. I know he's the guy's going for his masters right now, you know, for Washington called him. So you know, I, I could probably either see Saint Donald Taylor, Heineke, or they tried to trade up. But it's you know, yeah, you don't really know at this point what quarterbacks are still going to be available by number nineteen.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I, mean, I think they're all going to be gone by then. So Washington, pretty much a no man's land. We'll see what they end up doing, and it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with 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 free agency starting in a couple of weeks and the draft starting and the draft being in April. But. We got to move on to college basketball and we got to talk about UConn. And UConn's in really good shape right now to make the NCAA tournament in better shape than the team they're playing tonight in Seton Hall. And I think, you know, this UConn team, as you saw on Saturday, the way RJ Cole played and the way James Boknight played, I mean, this team is this back with this, with them playing this well, this backcourt playing this well. This is going to be a tough team to beat. And I think right now, this is clearly with James Boknite, the third best team in the Big East. I mean, tough game tonight against Seton Hall, obviously on the road. Uh, in a game that Seton Hall needs because they're on the bubble right now for the NCAA tournament. So this is a game that Seton Hall needs to win. But I think in a really, really close competitive game, I think UConn does it again. I think I they get a big win tonight.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping. I, I think they're going to be able to pull it out in a close one. It, it's going to be tough. It, senior night for Seton Hall, I think Seton Hall is going to have about 1,500 fans tonight for the first time all year. It's a must-win Wow, game. fans, wow. So, you know, they're going to be pumped up, ready to go. So it's like you're going to have to match their energy. I do think UConn could pull I, I pull this one out, but you know, I, I am very nervous for this game. Um, but yeah, you met both night and RJ Cole. RJ Cole's last five games. He's averaging 17 points, six uh six assists, and five um, uh, I think like five rebounds a game. You know, and I think he's really figured out his role with this team that he doesn't have to be the guy like he was at Howard. You know, he's taking a lot of smart shots, and he's just kind of uh he's just making smart decisions and you know, the second half they need, you know, they had no terms to get to Marquette. I don't know the last time that they've gone an entire half without turning the ball over, um, which is great. So they put really, you know, in Saturday I felt for the first time in a while that they actually went to that game saying, we are going to blow out whoever we play against us. And we, you know, we don't, we, yeah, we, we don't care. We're going to leave you in the dust. And that was the first time I kind of saw that team with that kind of, um and in a few years, it tends to be a few years, but you know, tonight it's gonna to be interesting. Um, they gotta stop Sandro Mamou. You heard him the first I think
1: 22 the first time. 22, yeah, 22 in the first 22.
0: game. Yeah, yeah, and Cena Hall struggled to shoot the three ball lately, and they shot 50% against UConn. They kind of struggled all year, but they get against UConn, you know they um uh, they shot it well, but it was two in that game. UConn's coming off the 10-day layoff. And they probably played the worst 15 minutes of basketball I, I think I've ever seen UConn play. And they still had the opportunities to take the lead in the second half and they never could. So I, I you know I kind of feel good at that. Like without Boat Knight and with how bad they played that first 15 minutes and they had chances to win the game. Um, but I, I think the big part is gonna be like the first five, six minutes of this game of are you gonna be able to match Steen Hall's energy? Because I you know the first time around, Steen Hall kinda came out punching in the mouth early. And it, I think, it got up to like 19 points. I think, believe is the highest. Or he, so, you know, got a massive energy tonight.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree with you there. If they got off to a good start. I think they're going to be in real good shape. And they got to, and they got to uh, contain all um, his best score. I, mean, I can't pronounce his name, but I got. To, if they can, get they can contain his best score, I think, I think they're in very, very good shape tonight. I don't care if they're on the road and they're playing in front of some fans. I think the culture has changed here. I think culture. I think it started. You know, last year, and I think the culture is continuing to change. I mean, this team has only lost two games with James James Bullock night in the lineup, and I and I think yeah, if they get off to a good start. It contains Seaton Hall's best score. I think they'll be in, be in really really good shape tonight to win another game.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the the culture the culture is there. It's 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 in place. He's you know he's got his guy starting to roll in here. He's still got a couple of you know all these guys in here, but.
1: Yeah, the, all the all these guys are seniors now. Uh, yeah. T- uh, Tyler P- Pauly, uh, Isaiah Whaley, Carlton, who's who's the worst – I think the worst player on the team, to be honest. Out uh, of that place.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with it. It's He's just not very athletic. He's just uh, – you know, he's got size. He's just no athletic. Just it, not a really great finisher. But, um, yeah, you know, my move. The last few games – the other thing for seeing Hall too is – It's kind of been the consistency at point guard. Now they may get Bryce Atkins back tonight. It's unfortunate. He's been hurt, you know, the last three, four years. Um, You know, at Harvard, you know, definitely one of the best scorers, you know, averaging over 20 points there. But this year he's just been, you know, the injury bugs really hurt him. They may have him back as a backup because, you know, just to have a kind of a senior leader on that floor. But if they get consistency from that point guard, from the point guard position, seeing Hall usually you no know, be able to score the ball. But yeah, you know the top guy, Sandra Mamu to stop. Um, I can't pronounce pronounce the rest of his name, but contain him um, and let other guys try to step up and beat you because it's kind of been Roden's been good. Um, Reynolds been able to throw up some points, but other than that, they really have trouble
1: to find other guys to kind of step up for this team. I think the point is, and we'll get to them. When we talk about in and out. Uh, they, they, they really miss Miles Powell. I think they that, that, that's obvious. They really miss Miles Powell. He was one of the best players in the Big East last year, and he and he was a big reason why. They, because last year the Big East was better than it was than it was this year. That was one of the big reasons why they were a top three team in the Big East last year.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think he did. He did win Player of the Year in the Big East. Yeah, he was over a twenty point scorer. The way you know him and them, um, Quincy McKnight, the point guard position too. Um, he was able to kind of take some pressure off of Miles at times as well. So, yeah, you know, losing both guy, both your guards definitely is tough and it's it's tough to kind of fill um, in new guys, especially in a year like we're having. So, but, yeah, you know, Miles Powell
1: has been a huge loss this year for the Pirates. They just – you know, they, they miss that guy. We'll see what happens tonight against Seton Hall. But UConn concludes their season at home against Georgetown on Saturday. And I, I think for this game – let, 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 let's be honest. I know Georgetown has played better. They upset uh, Xavier last night, but I was watching Georgetown a little bit. They don't look like a very. They're, they're Patrick Ewing is changing the culture, but to me, they're not a very good team. I think it's just like Marquette. I think it's a team UConn should beat by double digits.
0: No, yeah, I'm with you. You know, he's changing the culture. This team's getting better. You know, hopefully this year it's guys the core actually stays and they all don't transfer out on them again. You know, he, he's got his top 25 recruiting class going in. So I, I feel like Georgetown is going to be a lot better next year. But, yeah, this is a team you got to uh, blow out. The first time they pulled away late, the lane was open a lot in that first game. You know, R.J. Cole really got there second half. Um, they were lucky Georgetown really could not shoot the ball at all. Um, I, I love because Georgetown is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They're top five rebounding. And they 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 dominate the board. I think they like 16 off with the rebounds. Now they couldn't finish a layup, but they you know, hopefully this time around they finish a the layup. But yeah, this is a team you got to be right though. It's a young team, and again, it's definitely a game. I think you know for UConn they take care, but you know, especially you know if they lose tonight, I think it's, you know they they won't it won't really hurt yep. them, but you lose Saturday.
1: Oh, if they lose tonight and Saturday, they're in danger of missing the tournament. But if they if they if they go one and one, I think they're pretty much in no matter what happens in the Big East tournament.
0: Yeah, I think one and one they should be fine, and then you know you can win the first round game in the Big East or you know for or quarterfinals. And yeah, they, they pretty much punch it. But I think they go two and zero this week. They I think they pretty much uh, they punch their ticket into the dance. So yeah, you know for just again. I don't think Georgetown just shoot as bad as they did the first time around, Um, but uh, you know, in Georgetown Georgetown too, I think they're, you know, they they turn the ball over two sixty times a game, which is I think top ten in the country. So I, I, you know, for UConn, it's pace in this game, and turning them over. I want I want to see Hurley press for forty minutes. Well, you know, for forty minutes if it's close game, press them, make their guards make you know make mistakes and get easy buckets because that is the only way this team can score the basketball. They cannot play in the half court. So get to, you know, force some turnovers and hopefully, you know, like they kind of did last time, they got up 11-2, they let them back in the game, but get up like 11-2 and put them away. Like they did Saturday in 4K.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, just so just to recap uh, if you just it, it, pretty much they got to go one and one If they go one and one I think they're pretty much in because Lamardi – I've seen other like Fox sports and uh, – because Lenardi doesn't like them. Let's be yeah, honest. No. Lenardi doesn't like them that much this year. No, like, I, Fox mm. likes them a lot more. Fox had them as like a seven seed on Saturday when Lenardi had them as their first four out. So Lenardi really doesn't like them. But I think Fox is like looking at them, okay, what have they done with James Volk where Lenardi is I think looking at what they've done all season.
0: Yeah, you know, I think part of it too is uh, UConn doesn't play on ESPN
1: anymore either. I, oh, yeah. oh, that's <laughs> got Indiana
0: in there still. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, they are a little bit. They are. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, they are a little bit what? Big East. They're a little bit uh, anti. You think they're a little bit anti Big East? I think. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think ESPN. Yeah, ESP right. is anti Big East. I got that by, but
0: yeah, you know, um, the fact that, and I think that's kind of where they're going to be, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. Cause you know, and I think, yeah, they, you know, get, you know, uh, I think it's Jerry Potter. He's a CBS one, but whoever, um, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I think you've got to judge this team on when boat Knight's healthy, he's healthy. Now you've seen what this team's been able to do. And it's a team that can win. Um, It's a team that can get to the second weekend. I feel like I, you know, I they, they can, you know, if they get a good matchup at, they're sitting there at the seventh seed. If they get a payroll matchup with the two seed, I, I, you know, again, they did it against the last time they were seven seed. They won the national championship. But they knocked it going over the second round. And I don't think many of us thought that they were going to be able to do that. So, yeah, it did seem good. I think they will finish around,
1: you know, the seven, eight seed, as long as there's no major slip ups. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But we got to get to another Big East game. Actually, Jace, our producer, I give him credit for this, mm-hmm. he wants us to talk about this one, and that's Creighton and Villanova tonight. And I think this isn't going to be like the first game. I think this is good because the first game, Creighton blew them out uh, when when uh, Nova went to Creighton. But I think this, this game is going to be close right down to the wire. But I think Villanova – they're the number one seed, right? They, they'll clinch the number one seed if they win? Yes,
0: yeah, so they win. They clinch they're up two games yeah. right now.
1: On yeah. yeah, I think Villanova clinches the number one seed in the Big East tonight and wins a close one over Creighton.
0: I do think I think so too. Coming off of um, that horrific horrific loss against Butler, that where they shot two for twenty three from three, three um, this is the three point shot, which is the worst under Jay Wright. Usually after a loss under Jay Wright, Villanova has been really really good, and this is where they bounce back and
1: play. And, in- and, and that's the sign of a Hall of Fame coach.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I again, you asked me that five years ago, and I probably giving you the I don't know, but he's he's grown on me the last few oh, yeah. years. Oh yeah. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, so I, I feel like Nova's gonna bounce back tonight at home. They remember the first meeting where Creighton absolutely torched them all all night long. And I think
1: Villanova clinches yet another uh E's regular season title against the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. Jay Wright is not losing – I don't think Jay Wright's losing to the same team two years in a row. And Creighton is a good team, but they're not a great team. There really isn't a great – throughout the Big East, there really isn't a great team. That's why I think this Big East is very winnable for UConn.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, Creighton, they're young. Their their they're is pretty good. But, again, it's – Creighton relies, too, you know,
1: a lot of the it, three balls. Neither Creighton or Villanova really has a, a has a really good big guy inside.
0: No, they that, too, you know – Um And that's kind of – I think I mentioned it last week or two. We talked about Nova. They don't have that shot record that they had when they won the national championship. They don't have that inside presence. So, yeah, you know, both teams have really, really good college players. You know, Jermaine Robinson-Earl is probably the only one that's probably going to be a draft pick. I think Zaragowski could probably make a roster, but I don't think he's going to be drafted. Um, So, yeah, you know, I thought Villanova was going to be like a 1C this year. I thought – but – um, with everybody they had coming back, I yeah, it, I am a little bit down. To, again, they they're still having a good, really really good year, but yeah, they're not where I you know they're probably gonna end up at the three line, maybe sneak in as a two. But I, I did think they were gonna be a one c coming in. So there's no great team. So yeah, you kind of can't go go into the garden and then go and go win the same. It would not surprise me if they keep playing as well as they have right now.
1: It would not at all. And I think tonight it's it's Nova close over Creighton.
0: Yeah, I got no bad home. I, I see them, you know, uh, knocking off knocking off Korean after that bad
1: loss one day. Yes, yes. So we'll get to some of the games last night. And probably the game of the year was last night between Baylor and West Virginia. What a game that was between Baylor and West Virginia. I mean, it was back and forth, high scoring. Uh, Baylor's guards were outstanding. Uh, uh, Jared Butler had 25. Davion Mitchell had uh, 20. And that Mayer kid, he had 18. He surprised me for Baylor. He had a good game. But West Virginia's backcourt was phenomenal, too. Uh, Deuce McBride had uh, 19. Uh, Sam McNeil had 18. And, and here's the here's, here's thing I don't really get about West Virginia. How does that Taz Sherman guy not start? He had 26 last night. I don't know how he doesn't start, but just a great game. These are two teams that I think we could be seeing in the Final Four. I I, I like this West Virginia team. I really do. And, and and their big guy didn't have a great night last last night. He's a good player, and they almost won. So I really like this West Virginia team. And, and even though Baylor doesn't have a lot of size, Baylor has the best probably the best guard playing the country. So I wouldn't be surprised to see either of these two teams in the Final Four.
0: No, me neither. This is definitely Bob Huggins' best team since two thousand and ten. Um, when they made the final four, they Duke knocked them out in, in it. But um, this is definitely Huggy's best team since then. Um, I, I, you know, Sherman, you know, he's really come on the last few games. I think three of his last five games that he scored over twenty points because Emmitt Matthews is really strong. Emmett Matthews was actually the last uh, Kevin Alley commit uh, <laughs> before, and then he decommitted when Huggins took the job. <laughs>
1: Thank God he decommitted be because he's not very good.
0: No, he's he is a he's he's really athletic, but yeah, he, he's he can't really score serious. at all though. He can't he's score. Good. That's the problem. Yeah. No, he's he's not a great shooter. That's what I was afraid of when he committed, but um, you know, maybe even a blessing in disguise there. Um but yeah, you know, Lecture James backcourt's playing well. McNeil Bride. You know, I, I thought Bailey did a good job with Culver. He didn't hit a shot. He did get to the line, he was nine for ten, nine for ten there, but uh I think first time all years held a field goal. But what I miss, I miss the pressure. I, I do miss that. I wish that I know he, you know, doesn't do it. You know, doesn't do it a ton anymore. I don't know why, but yeah, I guess it's tough against a Baylor, you know, it would have been tough yesterday with how good Baylor guards are. Um, but the way Baylor got to the rim too uh, was, was, was impressive. And I know we, you know, we were going back and forth on it after Saturday. I was like, I don't think we're ever going to, I don't think we're going to see the Baylor team that, uh, um, or you know, 18 and 0 or whatever they were before before the layoffs. I, I didn't think we were going to see that team, but we saw it yesterday. Defensively, they were not great, but West Virginia could score. But offensively, this team this team's a juggernaut, and that's something they were good offensively last year, but they weren't like this. You know, they they can really shoot the three ball. Um, it, it's definitely two teams we could see in the final four. It 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 did you know I think very closely beat out Ohio State, Michigan for. Uh, a few weeks ago because like, that was another great one but yeah you know th- this was a this was a good one it was good for college basketball because it was a standalone game too at five o'clock so
1: absolutely so literally a lot of people were watching probably because yeah. that michigan ohio state game was the highest rated college basketball game of the year this yeah. i don't know it didn't, it didn't it didn't get the it probably didn't get the ratings that that game did but uh it still was probably a people a lot of people watched that game and it was just really an entertaining game i really enjoyed watching it
0: yeah it was yeah it was entertaining it was, Closed pretty much all the, all the way, you know, um, you know, Baylor kind of put that, uh, I think what, you know, got like a nine point lead early on the first half, but yeah. And then West Virginia much, it, went up for a little bit
1: and then it was pretty much closed most of the game.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, the two teams didn't really separate by more than like two possessions. So yeah, it was a really fun game, uh, back and forth you now. Um, but yeah, tough, you know, tough off West Virginia, but it was a really, great, really, really,
1: really good game. So, so uh, we had one game, which we thought this was the game that was getting hyped, hyped, hyped up to be this great game between Illinois and Michigan. And then I would assume it was in play. So we're thinking, all right, oh, this should be a Michigan, Michigan easy win. But the complete opposite happened last night. Uh, Kofi uh, Co- uh, Copern. Was great against Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson was held to six points. Isaiah Livard was held to seven points. Uh, Wagner Wagner was held to two points. And then how about uh, how about Andre uh, Corbello of uh, of Illinois with seventeen points off the bench? He had seventeen points off the bench against Wisconsin on Saturday. Uh, Trent Frazier had a great game with twenty two. Uh, Coburn didn't have a Kofi didn't have a great game scoring only with twelve, but his defense against uh, Dickinson. I think was the story of the game. I think holding Dickerson to six points, I think that was the story. I think that was the story of the game because really Mich- Michigan to me, I felt like last night they're a little overrated. I mean, because when Dick – the in, in, in two of their losses, Dickinson scored under 10 points. When Dickerson's not, when Dickinson's not a factor, uh they don't shoot the ball well. They don't have those open looks because you can't double a guy in the post that, like, that you could do. And when Dickerson has a guy – who's going up against, like, a Kofi Coburn, who's a really big guy, against against a, a, and, that, and that could shut him down. Really, Michigan's offense does not look the same. And for Illinois, I am so surprised the way they stepped up without Ayo, without the sumo. I mean, uh, Frazier has stepped up, but this uh, uh, Corbello guy has played really, really well. He's, he's at 17 in the two games that uh, Ayo hasn't played. I'm feeling really good about Illinois going into March. I'm feeling better about Illinois than I am about Michigan. That's not even an overreaction about what happened last night.
0: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll talk about that in the SCJ's comments, and then I'll kind of give my take on, on that. On that, um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, and I think I think you hit it on the head with Michigan's offense, Dickerson, because it's like a four, because they always have like four four three point shooters on the floor at all times. So it's kind of you know they they throw Dickerson more in the block, and they got the four guys out in the three point line and. Yeah, you know, and, and there's so much selfish too that it's a, you close out one guy, but he could swing it over to the next guy. It, they're so wide open. And last night, you know, he wasn't able on the floor. They didn't get a ton of open shots, and yeah, they struggled. It's a T if they get like a big Kofi Copern type of guy, the the um tournament they could really struggle. Um, I, I I could see it, but um, you know, and I like Illinois' game plan too. They they put like Copern on the on like an island. And kind of everyone else around him. And, and yeah, he wasn't really did much scoring-wise. But, um, again, Michigan was always concerned about him all the time, especially that they didn't have Dickerson on, you know, off the floor um, most of the time. But, yeah, um, Carlo Carlisle had been playing really well as a freshman right now. You know, him and and Frazier have stepped up. Their guards are still a little bit sloppier than I I like. They were a little bit better last night. But, you know, without the sumo, I thought they put better, you know, I think to like 20 turns in Wisconsin, but yeah, this Illinois team right now, um, it is playing really well. It the team, you know, people kind of saw could be really, really, you know, kind of be on this level, but, um, you know, like Mike Smith, two for Michigan last night, really showed sure. He was two for six. Um, yeah, the problem yeah, is Smith and man. Brooks
1: really can do nothing without Dickinson getting doubled. They can't. They're not really that good, Smith. And to me, Smith and Brooks are not that good. I Obviously, their three top players are Wagner, Livers, and Dickinson. I think Dickinson's their best player because he's their most important player. But those two guards, they're not good. To me, they're not good at all.
0: Yeah, you know, Smith was a was a great score at um, Columbia. I remember they came actually. You kind of shut him down the one time, the first time I saw him play his freshman year. Um, but yeah, because you know it's tough for Smith because he's a smaller guard at five eleven. Um, you know, so yeah, he, you know, he struggled last night just trying to get open shots. He, he, you know, when he is open though, yeah, he's knocking them down. But if you have a guy being able to stick to him and he really can't use Dickerson, yeah, he struggled. You know, Brooks ended up getting eleven, but it's helped that he got to the line a couple of times, but yeah, you know, those two, they, they struggled and it's, it, you're right. If they have guys that can kind of shut Dickerson down or even be able to stick with those guards. Yeah. Michigan could really have a tough time scoring the ball. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it, it's interesting. It's going to be really <coughs> interesting what happens um, with both these teams. And then I'll go with uh, Jason's comments, you know, what, um, which conference overall is better. I think, I'm more. I I like the. I think the Big Twelve is a bit better than the Big Ten. I think because I think all seventeen. I think the seventeens are going to get in from the Big Twelve. I think all seven of them could make the second weekend in March. I I you know because Texas Tech, Tech right now is a seven seed. I could see that team getting the Sweet Sixteen because of the way they defend. They struggle to score, but the way Chris Beard defends. I you know I, I think they could get there. I love Ron, Ron Kruger as a coach. I think Oklahoma's going to be able to get there. You know again I don't you know. And then Wisconsin is the seventh seed right now in the Big Ten. I don't know. They look, like, they, they look like a so one and out. out.
1: Like Wisconsin yeah. to me looks like a one and out. Uh, Purdue's probably a, a one and out because they're very mm-hmm. young. It's really only probably four teams. In that, and then they're very, they're four top 10 teams, but four teams in the Big Ten, which you could see making a final four. In the Big mm-hmm. 12, you could probably see more. You could probably see, you know, you could see a, a Texas Tech because they've been mm-hmm. there before. You could see, obviously, Baylor, one of the best teams mm-hmm. in the country. Oh, don't forget about Oklahoma State. They got probably yeah. the second best player in the country, uh, and who's going to be the number one pick? in Kate Cunningham. You got Texas, who's 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 got really good guard plate, and got bigs with upside. Uh, you got you got Oklahoma, Longhqr who's gotten to a Final Four, and Kansas. That's enough said. They're Kansas. So, yeah. yeah, I think the I would agree with you. I think the Big Twelve is the better conference. I think they're both they're both clearly the top yeah, two well, conferences yeah. in college basketball. But I probably take the Big Twelve over the uh, Big Ten by a little bit.
0: Yeah, same yeah same same here yeah i think they're just a tad better i think they're a tad deep, you know deep you know i know the big Ten's got 14 teams and all that and, and you know they're they're really good but i i you know i just don't you know with how young Purdue is i know they're fifth right now but i don't know if they can get to the second weekend it's a young team yeah you know you're right you know i i could see obviously it can't happen but i could see you know five six, you know like i think all seven of those yeah teams could get to the final four in the big 12 I wouldn't stun me if any seven of those made the final four.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. And there's really four in the in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. You got obviously Illinois, uh, Michigan, and Ohio State, and uh, Iowa. Iowa, yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Those those really the four. They did, they did. I'll give them that. They did. So yeah, there's really four in the Big Ten, and it could be all seven in the Big Twelve. So I I definitely would take the Big Twelve right now over the Big Ten, but. Because we're a sports show. We cannot ignore this game. The teams aren't that good. We can't ignore this game. On Saturday night in Chapel Hill, uh, we got Duke and North Carolina. And they ought to just let Dickie V be the color commentator because instead of Billis because this isn't one of the, this isn't a big game this year. But it's Duke-North Carolina, so we have to talk about it. But I think I've seen Duke. This is the worst Duke team since that 95 season when Coach K took time off. Uh, and North Carolina, they're not—they're better than they were last year, but that's not saying much because that was probably well, last year's probably one of the worst North Carolina teams in the years. So I do think North Carolina wins because because they're the better team, and I think they win by double digits.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think it should be close because Duke, North Carolina, and again, I don't really trust Roy too much in a in a spot like this. You are not like, a Roy guy. I am not a Roy guy. No, I don't like his end of game stuff. Oh. Kind of bothers that time, um, but you know, again, like Monday night, North Carolina come off a great comeback on Saturday, Florida State. What do you do? I, you know, just just a pitiful performance at Syracuse. You know, like they, You know, I you know that's kind of um, you know North Carolina's story right now. But look, you know, their guards played really well the first time. Caleb Love probably had his best game of the year. You know, he stayed away from the turnovers for the most part. They got to do that again. North Carolina, I think Monday shot like two for, like, 19 against Syracuse, something for three. They shot, like, 60% in the first game. That, against- that, that,
1: that's where that dinosaur can keep playing zone when a team shoots like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know yeah, who I'm referring yeah, yeah. to. You know who I'm referring oh, to yeah. there. And yes.
0: Jim Deon. Yep. And it works against the North Carolina team. like that. Yeah, this is not great. They can't rebound into North Carolina, but, you know, uh, it panned out for him. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the zone panned out. Again, dude plays a little bit of zone, too, because – they can't guard anyway. That it's that, their defense is so bad. It would I guess it helps that Georgia Tech uh, just threw the, tried to throw the game away the final 2 minutes. Um, but I'll, I'll wrap this up. But for Duke, yeah, you know, keep no account the boards what they did the first time. Again, Matthew hurt if somebody else could step up. Mark Williams has been playing better for Duke. If guy, you know, Wendell Moore played well last night, but guys got to continue to step up for Duke. Um, I believe North Carolina has been having fans, but not a lot. Um, so, again, that could be advantage for the Tar Heels. So I, I do have North Carolina winning this game, but it would not shock me to see Duke win. Even though North Carolina would love to bury Duke right here, it you know, it, they'd love to bury them.
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Duke won. North Carolina's not that good either, so it wouldn't really surprise me if either of these teams won that game. But – we got to get to a game we're going to play and i've been looking forward to playing this game in or out i pick 8 teams and justin tells me right now if they're in the tournament or out of the tournament and we'll start with the team that's playing saturday night we'll start with duke right now uh right now duke 11 and 10 in the uh in the ac in the acc uh no 11 and 10 overall 9 and 8 in the acc right now they're in uh, joe lenart's uh first four out justin in or out for duke
0: I got them out. Net ranking's a forty-seven, but one in four gets the quad, quad win, um opponents. Their best win Virginia. That's a good one, but they were playing better. And last night they kind of had a shot to sweep Georgia Tech, get a team that was on the ball, you know, it's on, on the bubble as well, get the sweep. But they ain't come out and get it. I, I have them as a, as the, I have them next four hour right now.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the next four out either. Looking at their record being eleven and ten, and looking at their ACC record being nine and eight next team I didn't like the way this team closed out last night but they won the game this is pretty obvious though because Lenardi right now has 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 them in his uh uh I think first four I think I, I think like I think he has him, I think it's his, has one, of a, one of his buys yeah I think he has him was one yeah. of his buys that's Georgia Tech so look at their ACC record 14 eight overall 10 and six in the ACC in or out for Georgia Tech
0: I get him with Lenardi. I think this is the last four without a buy. Um, I think they take care of everything with Wake Forest. I I think they punch their ticket. Um, they and they've and I like teams that are coming to the tournament playing well. Their last ten games are seven and three. The two bad losses down at the beginning of the stage, George George, George, Georgia State and Mercer. I think they've they've shaken those off. And I got Georgia tech in right now.
1: We are we will go to the big east and uh, we'll start with a team that lost last night at Georgetown. And they're in Lenardi's. Well, I think they're Lenardi's, one of Lenardi's last teams out of the tournament. They're in the first four out. And that's that's Xavier. Uh, right now, they're, uh, I think, 12 and five overall. I think they're maybe nine and five in the Big East. Uh, right now, Xavier in or out?
0: Xavier's 13 and six and then six and six in the Big East right now. Um, I, I have him as my first team out right now. I, you know, you. Have a good great run against Creighton on Saturday, and you followed up with a disappointing effort last night against Georgetown. the Rose. Nate Johnson was the leading three-point shooter percentage-wise in the country. He's out for the rest of the year, which I think affects you know, it has affected them. They're two and two in quad ones. They're four and four in quad two games. They have a nice one over OU as well. Um, but I have them right now as my first team out. They go to Marquette Saturday, which doesn't move the needle too much. I think it'll be a quad two win, but. I think they're gonna to have to win a game in the
1: Big East tournament to get it at large as well. Staying in the Big East. We got the team UConn's playing tonight, and that's Seton Hall. Uh right now they are uh, 13 and 10 overall, 10 and 7 in Big East play, and they are in Lenardi's first four in. Justin, in or out.
0: I have them as my last team in right now. They're three and six in the in quad one games, three and three in quad uh two games, you know. It's must-win. They could pick up two um, quad-one victories this week. UConn tonight, and they go to St. John's um, on Saturday night. St. John's right now is the 74th in the net. So as long as St. John stays in front of the 75 net rating and they get a win, and, and St. Hall beats them Saturday night, it'll, it'll qualify as a quad-one win. So big opportunity this week for St. Hall, but I do have them right now as my last team in.
1: Michigan State. Michigan uh... State. Right now, they are fourteen and ten overall, eight and ten in league play. But Lenardi has them being one of his first four teams in the tournament. Justin, Michigan State, in or out?
0: I have them out. You know, I don't like teams that are that are that have like a under five hundred record in conference play. I know the Big Ten's great, but their net ratings are seventy one right now, which is back there. They're four and one in quad one wins. They played or quad one games. I know they put a lot. Aaron Henry's been playing a lot better. This Michigan State team's playing a lot better right now. They, they, they are. They're getting better. They got Michigan coming up Thursday and Sunday. If they can get a sweep, or I mean a split, they're not getting a sweep. If they could get a split, I'd probably throw them in there, and as long as they win like a big-time uh, conference tournament game, I think they'll be able to sneak in. But if they get swept, I think they're going to have to win a few games um, to get
1: in this big dance. This one's pretty obvious. Uh, you look at uh, Indiana, the team that lost to Michigan State last night, Indiana, 12 and 13, under 500, 7 and 11 in conference play. I know this is obvious. In or out for Indiana, I know it's pretty obvious.
0: They're out even in the NIT right now. I can't stand that Lenardi has them on the bubble
1: still.
0: I, he has like them as the
1: next four
0: out. I don't get it because they, they, they played twenty five games too. It's not like this; they're playing game eighteen or nineteen right now. They played pretty much. They, they played twenty five games, and that's pretty much what they'd be at right now in a normal year. So, I, I, again, I don't know what Lenardi's looking at. this why I'm not a Lenardi guy. Um, <laughs> they go to Purdue Saturday, so that would be a nice win. But still, I think they have to win the Big Ten tournament. I, I they they have to. For me, oh yeah, they win
1: Big Ten tournament. And here's Only the thing: is, is Archie Miller going to get fired?
0: That's the tough. Uh, now, this is what I've been reading because I've been really interested in this. I heard the the um what I've heard is they love the way he um what do you call it like the um you know his his bosses I guess he they love um they love the way he recruits Indiana and he keep they keep guys home. But the problem is the fans don't like it because it's been inconsistency for four straight years. It, it's been all inconsistent. I think he's going to keep his job because of they because uh, Tom Crean could not keep guys in state. They love how R.J. Miller does that, so I think he keeps his job. But I heard an interesting article I was reading about Scott Drew, the Valpo Indiana kid. You know, if they could get Scott Drew to come home to coach Indiana, I think you would have to pull the trigger. I don't know if that would happen, but I think he stays because of the way they love how he loves how he recruits, even though it doesn't pan out on the floor, but. Uh, the fans are sick and tired of him.
1: Yeah, that would be a mistake if they keep him as head coach yeah. after this year, in my opinion. Next team, uh, Syracuse. Uh, uh, we're, we're, Jace, we're getting to them. We're getting to them mm-hmm. next. Uh, next team, Syracuse. Uh, 14-8 overall, 8-7 and in conference play, had the big win on Monday night uh, against uh, North Carolina. Are they in or out? I have
0: them right now as my next four. Again, it's another team like Indiana. It's just inconsistency. You don't know what you're going to get out of this team. They had an opportunity to uh, beat Georgia Tech on Saturday, which would be a nice bubble win. They couldn't pull it out. They got their first quad one win against North Carolina on Monday. They played Clemson tonight at home, which Clemson is not a very good three point shooting team. So I could see them pulling this one out tonight. And then, you know, and then also their three, you know, uh, their three one of quad two wins, but. There's just too much inconsistency right now from the Syracuse team. Um, Look, if they win tonight, I would push them up to my last four. And they win a game or two. They're eighth in on the ACC. Like, if they knock out, like, Florida State, I I think Syracuse sneaks in the back door and gets in. But um, take care of business tonight. If they lose tonight, I believe they're they're really – I think they probably have to get the ACC championship game to get in.
1: The last one, Jace's, Jace's mom's alma mater. He's been waiting for this one, Utah State. 16-7 16 and 7 uh, overall, uh, nine, thir- 13 and 4 in conference play. Uh, and they are one of Lenardi's, uh, I think, last four out. In or out for Utah State?
0: I have them out right now in the last four out. But this is what I'm going to say. I think this team's a big steal. I think they're going to win the Mile uh, the West tournament. I think they will get in, with the automatic big. Because I, I, you know. Um, Nia's Queto, one of the best big men in the country, He almost averages like a double double with Justin Bean. Um, they've got a they swept San Diego State, which is nice. That but um and they they're playing better and I you know they're two and four quad one wins. Their net's a forty seven two, which is really good. I think you know I, I think you know if they make – if they get can get like a San Diego State, if they can beat like a Colorado State and Boise in the Mountain West tournament. You know they get they get far. I think they should I think they should punch their ticket. But I, I think they're going to win the West title the way they're playing
1: right now, anyway. So, um, but I do right now have my first four out. So to recap, the teams Justin has has in our uh, Georgia Tech and Seton Hall, and uh, and he has six out uh, Duke, uh, Xavier, Indiana, Syracuse, Utah State, and Michigan State. And the thing is, when I picked some of these teams, I did pick some big names over some. It's um, so over some mid majors. Yeah. I did pick like I didn't pick Boise State. I didn't pick Drake. I didn't pick St. Louis. So next week I will right. pick a little bit closer to what the bubble is. So, but this week I did go for a little bit more of the big names. So that's why we got two in and six out. So next week I will pick a little bit closer to uh, what, what 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 the bubble is. So it'll be probably the four teams that are the eight teams that are very very close to the bubble. That's what I'll be picking for next week. Uh, uh, Blue blood doesn't matter. Mid major doesn't matter. I'm picking closer to the bubble next week, but. We are going to move on to the NBA. But before that, we have a promo from Clovercrest Media. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the City know crossed by Kobe, we'll float in Shaq, the and then Shaq
0: goes like this, and the rest is history.
1: Pay hey, hey, attention. Don't tell me what to do, Devil Woman.
0: So saying, saying, but I speaking of those ladies. But, but i hold on. But, but I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said think that. Think there's no other show like that. Clover is doing great things right now.
1: Streaming everywhere. So, James Harden tonight is making his date is a uh, return back to Houston as the Nets face the Rockets in Houston tonight and looking at what's happened to, to these two teams uh, since, since the trade it's been pretty it's been pretty uh, staggering to see what's happened to the 7 to the Nets and what's happened to the Rockets since the trade before the trade the Nets were 7 and 6 They are now 16 and seven, and they're 23 and 13 overall with the number two seed in the Eastern Conference for the Rockets. But for the trade, they were three and six. They've been eight and 16 since, and they're 11 and 22 overall, losing 12 in a row. The Nets have won nine out of 10. So recently, the Nets can't lose outside of that one game against the Mavericks on Saturday, and the Rockets haven't been able to win a game. They've lost 12 in a row. So this really shows you. How how good of a player James Harden is? He a lot of people want to say he's overrated because he's not great defensively, but he's clearly a top 10 and arguably a top five player in the game. And this shows you that players win championships in this league, organizations don't. And if, if you and the Rockets, this is totally on the Rockets for not making James for, for, for not make not keeping James Harden happy to, to 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 run him out of Houston. And 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 and, and for, for the Nets, this is probably arguably their most important player. They've been a great team since they've acquired Harden. And, and it's gonna be interesting to see what the reception is tonight when he comes back to Houston. It's only there's only uh, which is a big crowd for the pandemic for, for, the pande- for, uh, for mm-hmm. right now. Uh, there's a 400 and there's 4,500 people that are going to be in the stands, but still it's still the, the stadium is still you know 25 percent full. So the, you know, the booze won't be as loud as you'd think they, they, as they would normally be if he was coming back on a normal night. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with James Harden coming back to Houston. And, 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 again, it shows you that the NBA is about players. Players win championships, not coaches or organizations.
0: Yeah, and I guess I have to eat my words about James Harding because, I, you know, I, I've seen him more because now he's on locally. So – and I used to be kind of somebody – you know, he's, in, he's like a dribble-dribble shoot, you know, type of guy. But I, I've really seen a lot from him, and it's not, you know, where I'm just kind of, you know, just seeing him – few times a year you know on national tv or whatever you know um he, he's been such a huge difference especially without kd in the lineup as well lately you know uh so i you know, he, he's been phenomenal he, he's he's been such a huge such a great addition for the Nets team and i didn't think it would work out but it's so far so good for the Nets. so i i will eat my words of this i thought it would turn into a circus but um and, yeah and unfortunately for the rockets it's been tough i know they you know obviously but yeah i know they've had injuries but still i know even with the injuries it's still not a good basketball team so i know it's not you know i know it's pretty much wall now I'll, I'll victor Aldepa. that's really about all they have right now it's 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 been a such a such a down to a spiral they just got swept by the Cavs too like in the Cavs were somebody that they're not playing very well at the time either so yeah it, it's you know it's unfortunate with everything going on with the Houston sports teams right now, but yeah, you know, it, it's unfortunate they could not, you know, work things out with James Harden and try to figure a way out of the, you know, but it is what it is. and Yeah, they're now him in the nets and they're just, you know, uh, I was just big time just going in two different directions at the moment.
1: And the best thing the Nets did was once Harden got there, they made him the point guard instead of Kyrie, and that was an outstanding move because Harden is he's he's so tough to, to 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 guard going to the basket, and if when if you if you double him, he'll kick it out to a Joe Harris, he'll kick it out to a Kyrie Irving, he'll kick it out to uh, a Bruce Brown, he'll kick it out to one of those shooters, and even Kevin Durant when he's playing, so he'll kick it out to one of those shooters, and they'll and the Nets will get three points that way. That's why the Nets are so brutal to defend, and and having Harden at point guard makes them almost impossible to defend.
0: Oh yeah, it, it does be um, yeah, cause it's cause, yeah, you can get to the hole. You double him, you know. Yeah, he he's got four of the guys that can hit shots on that team, and then you know he can hit shots on his own. You know, and he's so good with the you know he's so good with the ball that yeah, it, it's tough to guard him one on one, and it's taking pressure off Kyrie. And Kyrie's kind of even said it, you know, he likes kind of playing off ball. It's been better, you know, and he and it's worked out for Kyrie. So yeah, you know, the Nets made a great decision of. of James Harden, it's like every night seems like he's got 14, 15 assists every single night, which, you know, when you put up 130, I guess not too surprising, but it is pretty crazy to see. So, yeah, it's the Nets made a great decision moving him point guard and moving Kirk, uh, Kyrie Irving off ball.
1: And the Rockets made a terrible decision. Number one, you know, N- not keeping him happy and number two trading him and thinking Victor Oladipo was going to be his replacement. And now Victor Oladipo has, does not want to resign with the Rockets. So the Rockets are a total mess right now. Uh they, 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 I mean, they, they're just a complete mess. Wall's good. He's not, he's not great as we've seen. I mean, Oladipo has been in and out of the lineup. They've had Christian Wood out. I mean, this team has lost, tw- has lost 12 in a row. And and they they thought oh we we could just you know we could get you know Victor Oladipo John Wall and Christian Wood and oh we're we're gonna be you know maybe little be as good as we were which last year which you're not mm-hmm. even close to being as good because none of those players were as close to as good as James Harden which was a terrible move by that organization to get rid of a player like James Harden and it's showing right now losing twelve in a row.
0: Yeah, it does, you know, um, especially – you know, because, look, in the NBA you need a superstar to compete. You know, I, I know you know that. So if, you, if you don't have a superstar, you're not going to compete at this level. Yeah, you know, John Wall is a decent piece. You know, I feel bad for him. He's just been in two dysfunctional organizations. Al Thiepo's a solid player, but, yeah, he's he's no James Harding. You know, Eric Gordon's playing better, but, again, now he's hurt. I think he's a game-time decision tonight. So, you know, another injury there. So, yeah, it's just – You know, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, I think it's unfortunate they couldn't make things work with James Harden. Yeah, it's on the Rockets, but again, you know, the Rockets could have tried, you know, if it really came to, you know, a situation, you know, where James Harden wanted to get out, you know, with what he was doing, but the way he showed up to camp was not great and the Rockets kind of had no choice, but yeah, they probably shouldn't have gotten there in the first place, Houston, but it's it's unfortunate for Houston because yeah it, you know they have a ton of first round picks but you know it's gonna take some time here to get going again.
1: And you brought it. You, know, you made a great. You made a great point. They should have never gotten there in the first place. You know, trading for Russell Westbrook that doesn't that didn't work out. Uh, then you know, the, the Chris Paul thing was the thing that the only thing that might have worked was them trading for Chris Paul that was the one thing that you know was close to working because we remember uh, they were one game away from beating the Warriors and they, they were actually ahead of the Warriors three two. Chris Paul gets hurt. They end up losing that series to the Warriors. And if they obviously if they get to the finals that year with if, if if Chris Paul's healthy, they beat the Cavaliers. But after that, you know, Chris Paul's play decline the year after. They go out and trade for Russell Westbrook. That didn't work. They they go out and trade for John Wall. That that that, did, that didn't make the team better. You know, they they just missed opportunities. This should have been a team. Let's be honest. This should have been a team after they lost to the to the Warriors in the conference finals. This should have been the team that should have got should have went after LeBron James because they went after LeBron James. There's no question James Harden would be here, and there's no question the Rockets probably have a championship or two right now. So big mistake by that organization not going after LeBron uh, three years ago. Now they're in the position that they're in because they made James Harden unhappy. He forced a trade, and now this organization is just is not as bad as the Texans, but they're they're mm. they're almost as bad, and they're turning into a laughing stock by trading James Harden.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh... Yeah, you know, yeah. They were, they were close to really getting over the top there in the Western Conference. But yeah, you know, and it would have been it, you know, I it would have been you know, I don't know if they would have gotten LeBron, but yeah, they should have at least thrown an offer if they had the money for him, which sounds like they you know they did have the money to try to sign him, but um, yeah, you know, instead of yeah, going out for all those guards, why don't they go out and go get forward? You know, I don't, instead of trying to go get another guard for Jace Harden. Because there's fours out there that, again, like maybe not even a star, like somebody like uh, Tobias Harris or Joe Harris, like you know somebody that could just hit, you know, because sh- they had Eric Gordon there for a while too. He's, he's been here for a few years. He's a decent scorer. So yeah, I just I never got why they wanted to go after another guard, you know, because uh, James Harden, because yeah, James Harden has a preference of playing off ball or being the point guard, like, but I, I thought it would have been better suited for him that try to go get a forward. And yeah, you know, Westbrook didn't work out for him. John Wall hasn't worked out for him. It did with him and Chris Paul, because, you know, the Russell one never made any sense because yeah, he's kind of, he's ball dominant as well, you know, and it just, they couldn't find the chemistry to work on, you know, to figure out how to work, work it out. So yeah. And you know, it's on the Rockets. They tried to make, you know, getting better pieces. They just, it they just picked the wrong ones.
1: Exactly, exactly, and that's why the Rockets are in the position they're in. So it'll be interesting to see Harden go back. I think the Nets win pretty big. I think they win by at least twenty. I think they win by at least fifteen, twenty points. And but it'll just be interesting to see Harden's return.
0: Yeah, it'll be. You know, I, it'll be interesting. I think you know. I think
1: it.
0: It'll be mostly you know like uh, cheers. I, I think they. You know, I, I think it's more they blame the organization. James Harden. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, the way he, he kind of acted at the beginning of the season made. You know, turn people off, but I, I think you'll get mostly cheers from the from the crowd tonight.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to move on to the Hawks with uh, Lloyd Pierce, and they fired Lord P- Lord P- Lloyd Pierce on Monday uh, after two and a half seasons with the team. And this move was kind of surprising because I think this team this, this team was growing with Trey Young, with John Collins, yeah, DeAndre Hunters, but out for half the season. Uh, they they signed Gallinari. Uh, uh, They've they got a pretty good player from Maryland. I think it's H- Hinter or somebody. Uh, he's pretty good. They got a kid from Maryland who's pretty who's who's, who's pretty good. Uh, so I think this team was actually growing a little bit. But you know they ended up firing Lord P- Lloyd Pierce. It was kind of a surprise to the NBA community on Monday. I mean, it's, a lot of coaches were surprised that he got fired. But you know the Hawks were expected to be you know in that in that in, 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 in the Hawks were expected to be maybe uh, be in the playoffs. And right now they're on the outside looking in. So I w- I'm not totally surprised why this happened.
0: Yeah, I, you know. I- it was surprising with the you know the timing. I it did throw me off a little bit, but it's a team that they had expectations this year. You know, they they, they, they get in the playoffs. You know, Bogdan. I do Bogdan. The Bogdan just came back from injury.
1: Yeah, um, Bogdanovich. You know, sure, I forgot about him. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I think off the bench. I think he's a really good scorer for him. But, you know, when he gets going again. Um. Yeah, with Gallinari, it it kind of sounded like it just you know. I guess with some of the players, what I was reading, just him and some of the players just did not mix. And it just did, it just, you know, some of the guys just didn't get along with Coach Pierce. So that sounded like the issue. And in a sport like the NBA, and when that happens, you're gone.
1: If the the players aren't getting along with you, especially if you're not getting along with your best player, you're gone as a head coach. There's no question. I don't care who you are, you're gone.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And that's kind of seen, that sounds like what happened in, in this situation. But, you know, still I, I'm still down on the team, especially that Miami Heat. They're a good team, but they're one game under five hundred. If you told me the Heat five, you know, it, like I, I feared the Hawks would be up in this division by three, four games. You know, if, if you know, with the Heat record right now, but they just haven't been able to uh sustain any success right now. So again, sounds like they like the new interim. They wanted him. So who knows, you know, so
1: it sounds like this may work out for the Hawk Hawk players right now. Yeah, we we'll Yeah, because uh, I'm trying to remember who the who who the interim head coach uh, was. Mike McMullen. Oh, Nick McMullen, Yeah, yeah the old Pacer and uh, Blazer coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had some yeah. good
0: success
1: with the Pacers. So. Oh yeah, so I I don't mind the interim coach. We'll see if he makes a run, but sad for Lord Pierce he loses job t- uh, two and a half years in in into it, and, and with the team growing too. So we'll see. We'll but we'll see what the Hawks do from here, but. Uh, we'll wrap up the show talking about the our NBA midseason awards. It is the All-Star break this week so we have our midseason awards and we're going to go right in it. we're going to start with uh, rookie of the year and it's a very very obvious pick here. Uh it's LaMelo Ball. He's averaging 26 and 6 since he's been a starter. I mean this was this should have clearly been the number 1 pick. I like Anthony Edwards but I but this is a guy that was re- that played well overseas when he was there, and then he came to the NBA. And right now, he's a borderline All Star. I think next year he could potentially be a superstar. This guy is a franchise player. I think the I think the Warriors and Timberwolves made mistakes not dra- not drafting this drafting this guy. I, I think they, there's no way you should be taking Anthony Edwards and uh, James Wiseman over Lamelo Ball. He's clearly the Rookie of the Year this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so you didn't give any thought to my boy Tyrese Hal Halbritton? Uh, not
1: at all. Not, not not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Been uh, he's been playing well for a team that can't win a game and can't play any defense. But, yes, uh, I, 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 I would yeah, take Lamella Ball any day of the week over him.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, They playing better. Yeah. They, yeah. It, was so, it was too bad Halbert it was hurt Sunday, so you couldn't see the two go head-to-head. Um, but you know, and, the and, blew,
1: was, and the Kings blew that lead on Sunday, too.
0: Yeah, you see, the
1: team's starting to embrace the tanking. Six, okay, missed yeah, six missed free throws. six free throws at the end. Eight point lead with a minute to go, and they lose. Yeah. At all. yep. I was fine with it. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, you're, you're, I, you're, you're done with Luke Walton. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done.
0: <laughs> and with the with the rest of the division, we're going to be in fifth place forever anyway, so it doesn't matter with, yeah, <laughs> with our yeah. division. Yeah, the yeah, So yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, with Lamel Ball, you know, I saw you know uh, the day I saw him up close Sunday night. You know, and I, I know a lot of people didn't really think his game was going to be able to translate over here. You know, he just – he has a good feel for the game. Um, you know, Jason, they're embracing –
1: They're embracing the tanking. They sure are. They sure are. The Kings sure oh, are embracing the tanking, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just
0: fine with me. But, um, yeah, you know, and people – you know, he's shooting the ball 36% from deep. And I remember in the scouting reports, so nobody thought – I think people thought it was going to be more around like right around 30%. So – he has been good in that area. And look, this Hornet scene's hanging around. I know they have some nice feeds of Rosier and uh Gordon Hayward. But yeah, he he's looked really well. I was somebody I didn't really think I was too high. I, I wasn't I didn't know what to expect from him, but he's been great. And he, right now, yeah, the Timberwolves probably made him made a mistake right now with uh choosing him over or choosing Anthony Edwards over in the mall ball.
1: Oh, absolutely, without question. I mean, Lamelo, if you if you watch Lamelo Ball is clear, clearly the better player. I think Edwards has upside. I think Wiseman could be a pretty good NBA center, but they won't be Lamelo Ball. I think in uh, three four years, Lamelo Ball will be a top ten player in the NBA. Wow,
0: that, I don't know if I'll be going that high top up. But 10 a I'll give you 10 15.
1: Yeah, he will be a superstar. Yes,
0: I he'll do, he'll be a superstar. I, mean, I think he'll be an All Star next year. Yeah, you know, again, the Hornets. You know, they've had Kemba Walker. But Kemba Walker's not a guy that can get you 35, 40 points every night. LaMelo, you know, may maybe be that guy. I know he's he's got some better pieces around him than Kemba does. But, yeah, you know, Charlotte's got some excitement. And,
1: you know, with LaMelo Ball at front and center, it, it helps. It sure does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very good chance you see the Hornets in the playoffs this year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think so, especially in that division right now. Yeah, I think they, they will I think they will get at least a play playing game
1: as, at the least. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got to get to MVP, and my MVP is uh, is Joel Embiid. He's had the best – I know I'm not a big, a huge fan of centers, oh, but this I guy – you're shocked. This guy yeah. has had the best season a center has ever had since Shaq in 2000 when he won the MVP, I mean, averaging 29 points in a game. Uh, he's, he's been good from three point range. He's been great getting to the basket. He has really improved his game. He is, he, he averaged 23 a game last year. He's averaging almost 30 a game this year. So Doc Rivers has done a great job with him and B has really improved his game. And uh, right now he is my MVP right uh, in the middle of the season. Yeah.
0: I ended up taking Luka Doncic, what I did the beginning. Like I took in the beginning of the year, he's been playing better lately and I, Toko, because it's, he, you know, he's really started to get it going the last 10 games. And this team, they're starting to get going. You know, they're eight and two the last 10. He's averaging like 31 points a game, nine assists, eight rebounds. He's shooting to like the last 10 games, like 46% from three point, uh, three point shot. And he was less than 30 before that. You know, so I know it's not the, but I, you know, I feel like he's really starting to get this team going. Um, I, I did think about it. But you know, you know me, I, I love my centers. I did think about it, but. Um, I right now I I do think luka has been a such a great player um, and he had close to another double double the other night so he's been playing really well and this map seems starting to really kind of I know they're only one game over 500 so but I feel like yeah but they
1: but they were five games under 500 uh, three weeks ago so they, they they've won uh, eight of, they've won eight of their last 12 games so yeah they're getting red hot Jalen Brunson's playing well uh, Porzingis. He's played well at times, but he's kind of undependable. But the way Luca's playing, the way Luca makes guys better around him, I definitely could see that being, being, I could definitely see him winning the MVP this year.
0: Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, the way he makes everybody better. Jalen Brunson was decent the last year. He wasn't great, but yeah, this year he's really kind of stepped up as that number two guy, which I thought he was going to struggle in this league because of the size. He's he's hanging on. You know, yeah. If poor Porzingis could really get his act together, I don't know if it's still, he's, Injured, so I don't know what Injury, it is, injuries
1: but. and not playing defense that's been the problem with him. Yeah, yeah, you gotta,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, do it on the perimeter defensively. He's he's a weakness out there, but you know, if Porzingis could get it going with, with Donch, this this Mavericks could be could be a tough team to beat, you know, as a five or six, team. they they can give you a, a battle. So, and I think, uh, Luka Don, my midseason MVP at the moment,
1: and and talking about MB too, Jay says MB deserves at the moment focusing, you know, more uh, on more, more on the inside game than the outside game has really helped him dominate. Yes, he's he's definitely focused more on that, but him having an outside game makes him the player that he is. If he only had an inside game, he wouldn't be as good as Jokic. But having an outside game has actually helped him be uh, as good or better than Jokic. So. Yes, I, I, I think having that outside game has helped him be great, but focusing on the – no, mean that outside game has helped him, but focusing on the inside game has definitely helped him be the best center in the league.
0: It definitely has, and he's a guy – it has. I will say that, and I'm not a big fan of the big guy. But, like, with his body, he should be fo- – you know, he should be focusing more on the inside game than the outside game. You know, Jokic has size, um, but, like, he's not – Built like Joel Embiid is where he can kind of just bully you inside, and that's what Embiid can do. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, I know it does help beat to have that outside game, but I just, you know, um, it definitely has helped him in his career. But he's a guy that, yeah, should be playing on the paint more and trying to focus more of his points, chewing layups and chewing the three ball because he has kind of the body to be able to do that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So are and uh, uh Jokic finesse and yeah. beat is more power exactly that's that's a good point by Jace there but lastly we're going to talk about uh, our most surprising team and our most disappointing team and I I chose two big markets for my most surprising and most disappointing my most surprising my uh, this is my team the Knicks. I would say they're the most surprising yeah. team in the league. It's, it was close for me between them and the Memphis Grizzlies, but I took the Knicks. You know, Julius Randle has played at an all-star level. Tom Thibodeau has really changed the culture of this team. You know, they're the, the best defensive team in basketball. RJ Barrett has played well. Emmanuel quickly has played well coming off the bench. They end up acquiring Derrick Rose because of the way they played in the first half of the season. So I like this Knicks team. This is the one year for the Knicks. Yeah, they're not a championship contender, but this is a year where this could get fr- potential free agents to come to New York. Tom Thibodeau is changing this culture for people to come to New York because for years players did not want to come to New York because the because, because of the losing culture. I think with Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau, finally, for the first time in years, this Knicks team is going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw the video uh, Sunday night. Yeah, Nick fans leaving the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. They'll be w- like throwing the championship. But yeah, Tom Thibodeau, that that was a. That was a I, I definitely will see about the Knicks. I, I've been super impressed. They're sitting in the fourth seed right now. You know, I know there's still another half season, but they host a first round game at the moment. I don't know if that will last, but uh, you know, it, it, Tom Thibodeau definitely has changed the culture. Yeah, you know, that again, there's definitely probably who doesn't want to play in New York as a superstar? You know, you know, they'll they'll, they'll get somebody. Uh, mine is Jazz, and I know they're still being a play, but I didn't think they'd be 27 and 8. I know they've cooled off a bit here. Lee, but this jazz team has just been unbelievable to watch, yo. And I know we've talked about the last few weeks that they don't have, you know, they have Mitchell, and then you know they don't have that second star. But but they so hit guys threes like so
1: well, though. Joe Ingles hits threes mm-hmm. well. Mike Conley hits threes really well. Uh, oh, Jordan Clarkson hits threes well. So they kind of live and die by the three. Oh, uh, here we go. Jazz all day, every day. Okay, okay. <gasps> In- I know Jason enjoying his great regular season, even though they haven't made a conference finals appearance since 2007, but, you know, he's enjoying his great conference, he's enjoying his great regular season. But, yeah, but looking at the Jazz, I feel like they're a team that lives and dies by the three, but if they hit their threes, they could beat anyone. I'll admit that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I feel like in the NBA that works more than the college game does, but I think it's been, like, 10 or 11 straight games um, where they've hit, like, you know, I think, like, 15 straight – 15 straight, or they've had like 15 straight, or where they've had 15 threes in a game. So I think they've almost, I think they're like two or three behind the um, what the Warriors are. Um, but yeah, you know, I, right now the Jazz to sit up right now in the first place in the Western Conference. Again, I didn't think they'd be 27 and 8 at the moment. They, they have been a surprise to me. Quincy has done such a uh, a great job right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. He should be coach of the year. In my opinion, he's coach of the year for the job that he's done with the Jazz. But we got to get to our most disappointing teams, and I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. I know they're 18 and 17, but uh, but I thought this team would be would be better than what they are. They're only one game over 500. Uh, it's not like they've had you know Jason Tatum or Jalen. They have two All Stars who are averaging close to 25 a game, and uh, and they're only one game over 500. And 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 uh, yeah, they, they they should just be a better team. Kevin Walker hasn't played as well. Uh, when you have two All Stars like this, though, you should not be one game over 500. You should be better than this. I think if this team it, it, uh, somehow misses the playoffs or is one out in the playoffs, I think it's time to move on from Brad Stevens. I feel like this team is not responding to Brad Stevens the way it was, you know, in the first couple of years of Brad Stevens' time in, in Boston. I don't think this team is responding to Brad Stevens uh, the way they used to. So I think if the Celtics, you know, have are, they don't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round, I think it's time to move on from Brad Stevens.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I have the – the Atlanta Hawks, my most cried But the Celtics were definitely – that was a team I was thinking about. Um, but I think they've won three straight. I know they beat the Clippers a lot. I know they're – Without no Kawhi, though. Yeah. I know. I know they – you know, But um, I think Kevin's last year games, he's been averaging like 25. So I feel like Celtics are starting to get going. But, yeah, it's definitely been a down year, and I had a lot higher expectations for this Boston Celtics team. Mine were the Hawks because I was high in the Hawks this year. And I don't even remember – that was kind of my pick to kind of be the sleeper in the Eastern Yeah, I remember. Conflict. I remember you
1: talk. I remember when we yeah. did that. Yeah, you, they were they were your sleeper.
0: Yeah, and they really have disappointed me um, so far. I know the change of coach may help, and I, you know, it, this team may start to play better than they have been. Um, but I just I just feel how bad this division's been. They should they should be better. I know that the injury bugs kind of hurt them as well with losing Bodanovich. Um, but it, and um, camera, he's hurt now. And then, um, Deandre Hunter has been hurt. So I, I know that, that, hurt, that, that, you know, does affect things, but, um, yeah, this team should be, should be better than, you know, five games under 500 and actually, um, breaking, I just saw actually, um, Aaron Boone's taking a leave of absence, medical leave of absence to have her receive a pacemaker.
1: Oh, wow. 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 So, so how, long think, how long do you think, how long do you think he's going to be out for?
0: Uh, I don't know. I just saw the ESPN thing come up. I haven't. Wow. I didn't wow, look wow. into it. Well, that's
1: so going like to be that's going to be that's going to be very interesting. It's going to be really really interesting news to see what happens there. Uh, who do you think Who do you think would manage?
0: It, it's it would probably um, the bench code, Pena, right? It, no,
1: Mendoza, the, right? Is it? Mendoza? I think Mendoza. Mendoza, yeah. Mendoza. I think he would probably yeah, manage. Yeah. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, because. Uh, because Phil Nevin's the third base coach so that'll be interesting. It's interesting to see that uh, Boone, unfortunately, Boone's going to be out to start the year. But that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin, for Jace Garcia, our producer, did a great job. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week uh, seeing which players got the franchise tag and previewing conference tournaments. Have a great weekend, everyone. Red Sox fans have long to hear The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at
0: Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss.
1: Strike three. It's
0: over. The Red Sox have won the World Championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's OB's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week every Red Sox series finale on your
1: favorite podcast platform.